This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace any legal advice. Welcome back to the day one series of Maddox on the Mic. As usual, I'm Amelia Hunter and I'm here with Declan Peacock. Today we'll be discussing mentorship for junior lawyers in the legal profession and how mentorship is approached at Maddox. To that end, we're joined by a special counsel from the Melbourne public law team, John Rantino. Until very recently, John was a partner in the team and had been since joining the firm from Mallison Stephen Jacks in 1999. Uh, Welcome, John, and thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Amelia. Good morning, Declan. As a bit of background for our listeners, John is one of Victoria's finest governance, planning and enforcement lawyers and advocates. He has also been a highly regarded and respected member of the partnership. He was for many years one of the firm's graduate recruitment partners and was instrumental in establishing the annual Maddox Young Planner of the Year Award to recognise talented young planners working in Victorian planning and environment. After 21 years at the partnership table, John has taken a step back to focus more on the work he does for his clients as well as his role in mentoring the junior lawyers in the public law team. So, John, 21 years in the partnership and taking a step sideways, for you, what does that mean for you? What were sort of the main drivers behind the decision to take that step back? Yeah, I've been asked this question a few times. And the truth, Declan, is that there's no particular date or period or event that was the trigger for this decision. In truth, it's been a gradual thought process which has evolved over number of years. But I've been a lawyer for nearly 40 years and been an extremely busy partner for 21 of those years. And so I think when you're in that position, it is inevitable that your mind starts to turn to succession, retirement, uh, alternative ways of uh, going about your practice. And so it's it's been a gradual decision process over a a number of years, made in conjunction with my fellow partners uh, in the public law group. And so it's certainly not seen by me and by anyone else in the public law group or my fellow partners across the firm generally as being sideways or down or in any way lesser than a partner. But it's part of, I guess, to what you'd say is the, the winding down, the succession of a lawyer who's been in the practice for as long as I have. Well, what I would say is that it was very evident early in the thought process that I was never going to be the, the sort that could uh, retire cold turkey. Opportunities were presented to continue to practice but uh, with a different role. And so for your, for your sort of day-to-day life as a, as a lawyer, what does that mean for you moving forward? Yes, yeah, so well, what I can say is I get a, um, a lot fewer emails than I used to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't miss that, I've got to say. So um, lesser workload in terms of email reading. But yes, you know, that, that is the truth of it. Um, not being a partner, there won't be... You know, engagement in budget settings, partner retreats and matters of, of that type, but still am uh, and intend to remain a senior person within the organisation. And, John, how will this change the way that you support junior lawyers in the team? Well, it's a combination of uh, two things, Amelia. It is my intention to ease back on the advocacy side of the practice, my personal advocacy side of the practice. By doing that, it means that I am uh, available and in the office more regularly than has been the case over the last 
number of years. Advocacy is a engaging part of the law. It's an exciting part of the law, but in truth, it does mean that you are out of the office for considerable lengths of time. And that means that you're just not available when someone wants to discuss something with you or there's a letter of advice that needs settling or a submission that needs reviewing. The first thing that I'm hoping will happen and I'm sure will happen is that I will be in the office available to lawyers more regularly. And secondly, because I've, uh, I've relieved myself of a number of the partnership obligations, it means also that I'll be available more regularly to sit down with, speak and, and, and with lawyers and look at their work and so forth. And so Amelia and I were both, Amelia, for our listeners know that Amelia worked as a paralegal in the public law team for well, quite a long time. And I was I was lucky enough to rotate through as a graduate lawyer. And you're sort of a very central figure in that planning and governance space. In your mind now moving forward, what do you think your focus will be with the junior lawyers in the team and the graduate lawyers that come through in terms of that teaching? Where do you see your focus being in terms of what skills you plan on on trying to teach and, and sort of what knowledge you want to get across to those junior lawyers? I think the first thing I've got to uh, be conscious of myself is that there's not just one way of doing things. It's important, I think, for my, uh, that I be conscious that we are individuals and we have like to show our own individual style. And I can't see and I hope I don't become the sort of mentor or lawyer that imparts that it's, it's, it's my way or no way. I am hoping and um, will be working on assisting those lawyers to develop their own skills and their own making sure that their own personality comes through. But having said that, there are minimum standards, what I've described as the non-negotiable way of behaving and uh, of uh, undertaking the law. But there are also those other things that can differentiate you from a good lawyer to a, a really good lawyer, a middle-of-the-road lawyer as, as opposed to a high-profile lawyer. And the sort of things that I have been taught over the years that I hoped to impart, firstly, the desire by, uh, by clients to get to the heart of a problem, and secondly, the, the desire by clients to offer solutions. I've been asked a few times, what do I put down my success to? Now, in one sense, that's a question that others should be answering rather than uh, self-answering that question. <laughs> but I do recall, and it's something that has stayed with me for decades, a client saying to me, John, I like dealing with you because you get to the heart of a matter quickly and you are prepared to give me advice on what I should do as opposed to giving me a range of hypotheticals. That has been a, a bit of a mantra that I have followed ever since and I'm hoping that I'll be able to um, convey that mantra or that approach to those within the group. And John, do you think that quality or that mantra that you're talking about, is that something that you've always felt or do you think that can also be taught? Oh, it definitely can be taught. I don't know if I've always felt it, but I, I absolutely valued the fact that I was told that because it, it, it reinforced, I guess, in a way that I must have been doing something right at that point. And it also reinforced in my mind the, the very essence of what clients are looking for in a lawyer. We, we hear the expression trusted advisor a lot when it comes to the law, and, and, I, and I'm a very big advocate of that. I think that that's another thing that differentiates good lawyers from the really good lawyers is that clients do come to you to advise them. I think one of the things that 
stood out to me in the in the public law group when I rotated through there is just the opportunities that you get to do that advocacy work that you talked about that made up such a significant component of your practice. I think in you know most other teams at the firm, that sort of advocacy work is, is routinely briefed out just due to the nature of the work. But do you think that's just the nature of the work itself or that most of the planning work that the, the team does goes through VCAT where it's perhaps a little bit more accessible for solicitors to be involved in that advocacy mm-hmm. work? Or what do you think it is about the, the team itself that fosters that culture of being involved as solicitor advocates? Well, you've just used the expression culture there, Declan, and I think that that's uh, in large part the reason why the manner in which our group uh, focuses and, and practices. It has been the culture of, um, of that group. Um, so it's, it's become a somewhat of a, a culture and a client expectation, and it's, uh, it's also a, a, what gives us a, an edge over other firms. And I wouldn't say, Declan, that it's got something to do with the nature of the work. A lot of firms of our size do VCAT work, planning work, environmental work, but would typically brief. And so it's it's not the, the nature of the work. It's really the, the, the mindset of the group. And we, we don't make it a law or a rule that if you come into the group, you must do advocacy. But we certainly encourage those who want to do advocacy to, to do it. It's not a matter of throwing anyone into the deep end. I don't think that that's good training. I don't think that's good mentoring. If it's a question of having them start on uncontroversial matters, straightforward matters, building up their confidence, building up their skills, and then gradually moving into um, more complex planning and environment and prosecution matters. That's exactly how I started. John, you mentioned the, the, the mentoring process, and you're obviously not going to throw someone straight in the deep end of a complex panel hearing or anything like that. How does the, the sort of your philosophy towards mentoring work? Yeah. And is there a stru- do you have to take a structured approach or is it sort of lawyer by lawyer for you and what works with them? Or what's your sort of approach to training and educating the junior lawyers in your team? There's not a structured approach in, in the sense that one can go to a handbook and see that this is the uh, sequence of events all written down. But that said, uh, it is structured in the sense that it is a, a gradual process. A typical lawyer who comes uh, into the group as a first or second year will be assigned the task of assisting more senior lawyers with preparation of the case. They will become adept at uh, briefing uh, briefing experts, taking instructions from clients, assisting in the drafting of submissions, uh, assisting in the uh, researching of points of law and, uh, and the like. And then when they feel confident enough, we might get them to do a directions hearing. Or a, or a practice day hearing. And from there, again, depending on the level of confidence, they might be um, given a, a one-day uncomplicated planning appeal or uh, in our enforcement team, uh, a plea of guilty in the magistrate's court. And then it just becomes a gradual process, Declan. Uh, you become more confident, clients uh, get to know you better, and that will move to more complex planning cases, and and then eventually, if you're in the enforcement space, a contested hearing. So not structured in the sense of a written document, but well known and well understood in terms of gradual process towards the advocacy practice. John, from my time in the public law team, I definitely feel that gradual process worked quite well for me as a as a junior as a you know not as a lawyer but as a paralegal and the gradual involvement in helping to prepare for uh, the litigation was 
really useful and it definitely didn't feel structured but did feel consistent and and comfortable. Yes, I should say, Amelia, that hasn't always been my practice over the 40 years, (laughs) uh, my experience over the 40 years. In some of the early parts of my career, uh, it really was being thrown into the deep end. Here is a prosecution brief, go up to the Melbourne Magistrate Court and run it. (laughs) There is a theory that if it doesn't kill you, it will make you stronger. And so I did come out of that end stronger, but I'm not a big advocate of that. It's certainly not an approach that we adopt in our group, and to the best of my knowledge, it's not an approach that uh, the firm generally would take to training. In my conversations with the senior lawyers around the firm, just sort of generally, I think that's relatively their experience too, Um, just given sort of that cultural shift in the profession in terms of looking after the junior lawyers in a way that perhaps wasn't done in years Mm. gone by. Is there anyone that you recall in in the early stages of your career that although they might have been throwing you in the deep end, they sort of were a, a mentor figure for you? And have, have you had that sort of ability to, to learn from anyone? To the best of my knowledge, I can't recall anyone ever being appointed as my mentor. We, we do that in a way at, at Maddox. We, you know, we have buddies and we have coordinators. And so we have a point of contact at a more senior level. I've, I've never actually ever experienced that. I've, I can use the expression in my day. They weren't mentors, they weren't buddies, they weren't coordinators. <laughs> You reported to um, a partner and perhaps there might be a senior associate in between. But the truth of the matter is that I've had many people from whom I have learnt. In fact, in truth, I've learnt something from everybody that I've worked for or worked with. But if I was asked to nominate who of all of those people would I say has influenced me the greatest, that person would be Ian Murray. But he was uh, uh, formerly uh, a partner at Mallison's whom I worked for. And then when I came to Maddox shortly thereafter, Ian came across as a consultant. Ian is a person who I would put down as the one I've learned from the most, firstly, because he was a brilliant lawyer, a brilliant strategist. And so just shadowing someone like Ian, you're going to learn. But secondly, even though he was a, an incredibly busy lawyer, which meant that there was very few opportunities for you know, sit-downs or structured feedback or structured reviewing of submissions and the like. When the opportunity did come to sit down with Ian, and that would be whether you're discussing something on a client matter or an upcoming hearing or, or whatever the case may be, or even just talking about life in general, Ian always gave you the impression that you had his undivided attention. You never got the impression that he was thinking of something else or that he would, he would be distracted by something else. And I always valued that. And, and I hope to be able to emulate that because I do think it is an important part of mentoring and training. When you do get the opportunity, when you uh, to, to sit down with someone, devote all your attention to that part, even if it's only two or three minutes. He, he would always say, and sometimes I'd say he would agonise over over the over this that that the legal industry or the legal profession was evolving into silos of lawyers and legal teams that focused on you know only one or two narrow areas of law and he would regularly say you know, one of the differences between a good lawyer and a really good lawyer is to have a broad understanding of the wide ranging legal principles not just do planning 
learn something about conveyancing, learn something about property, learn something about governance. And I, and I couldn't agree with him more. I, I, I think it is a valuable skill to have and the learning to, to broaden your horizons so that whilst the inevitable is that you will focus in on one or two areas of law, don't forget that there are all these other areas of law that can assist you in, um, in, in delivering uh, advice to clients and helping clients. And Ian was a very strong advocate of that. I would say in sort of your own expression of wanting to try and emulate his role that you've had, I know speaking to people like Charlie Worm and, and Louis the Juniors in the public law team now, that uh, they definitely value working with you for that reason. Um, and one other thing is the the breadth of practice. Uh, from my experience, uh, I think that's something that's obviously rubbed off because I do have vivid memories of you getting me to help you on things and thinking I this is completely different to what I was doing for you yesterday. So I think your practice is sort of evolved into doing a bit of everything. So I think you've succeeded on that mark 100%. Well, thank you for that, Declan. I value that. Um, can, I, can I ask you, Amelia and Declan, what, what do you look for? Look, I think for me, it's important to have someone who I do get along with in a personal sense as well, and not just professionally. I think it's important to know that if I can or, or when I can approach that person as well. And I think that that also comes from you know, having that personal uh, relationship and having a, a better insight into how a mentor operates rather than just knowing that they might give you some work every now and then. No, that makes sense. I, th I think for me it's probably that, and you, you mentioned it talking about Ian, I think it's the... The, the strategic thinking side of things as much like obviously the person like getting along with them personally and relating to them is important but I think from a, a learning point of view it's the you know so I think of someone like Paul Woods who's a partner in our construction team and whenever I sit on a phone call with him or I have a conversation about a matter with him like it, he will say things and it just makes so much sense and he expresses it so simply we, we won't do this because if we do that then this might happen so we should do this instead and I think I observe that sort of thinking and behavior and just think it's really impressive and I you know I think that's in my mind would separate me being a competent a good competent lawyer and a really great sort of advisor to be able to give that strategic advice because it's not easy to do and when you find someone that's able to express that strategic thought so clearly and concisely and easily I think that's I just find myself wanting to gravitate to that sort of person more because they can give you that sort of education that it's just really blows my mind a lot of the time that they just they think so naturally and freely and quickly and strategically because I don't think you can teach that to the same extent that you can you can teach someone how to draft technically or how to prepare for a hearing. Declan when when you hear Paul uh, on the phone and he's talking so naturally and so freely and strategically, I, I guarantee it, Declan, that he has learned that over the years. Yeah. Um, he's a brilliant lawyer, as we as we all know, but th these matters of strategy is, is, is learnt. And that's why I, I think I'd indicated earlier, just, just shadowing somebody, just working with someone, you're going to learn something. And, Amelia, in terms of your point that it's, it's, um, it's necessary that, that you would get along with the mentor or, or, the, or the more senior people that we... I, I mean, I obviously agree with that. But there is, I, I think, also another side to, to the equation, and that is the mentee the people in your position, the, the junior lawyers, it is necessary to some extent for those people to impart themselves onto the mentor. One of the things I came to learn when, in the few months since I've stepped down from partnership is that some of the junior lawyers tend to elevate the status of partners into some sort of <laughs> godlike figure. 
that might be a little overstating it, but it's uh, the, the message I'm imparting is that there is this sort of sense that, you know, I, I can't interrupt them, I, I bother them, uh, they're busy, all of which uh, is true to a point. But the risk there, and, 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 and it is difficult to be close to senior people. That's not always going to be the same, but close in that sense of, you know, regular catch-ups, regular coffees, going out to lunch, those sort of things. They are more difficult, you know, these days than they might have been many, many years ago. But mentees need to impart themselves. If you're doing work for a partner or a senior person that overtly discourages you from coming into their office or having a quiet word or just running into them and discussing a client matter in the, in the paragraph, then you're working with a very bad partner. And I don't believe there is anyone like that at Maddox. I've never experienced anyone like that at Maddox. So this sense of partners are up there, or the senior people are up there, they've got other things to do, they haven't got time, you need to cut through that. And it will be to your benefit. And I can assure you, Amelia and Declan, and to whoever else is listening, you are not going to be seen in a, in a negative light because you take the time to want to discuss or do you want the, you know, for feedback. Don't hesitate to do that. I, I um, wasn't the best of it like that in my, in my early days. I, you know, I could have learned from someone telling me that 30 years ago, <laughs> but uh, I came to learn that and, uh, and that was been to my benefit. Does that make sense, Amelia and Declan? Yeah, that does, and it's, it's really excellent to hear. So thanks for uh, stepping us through that. I think that was the number one thing I had coming into as a junior lawyer is I think uh, it's got a, a lot of it has got to be sort of American TV shows about commercial law firms where you see partners and they're just – they are treated like sort of demigods mm. in a way. But I, And a sort of that ability to think how am I going to relate with someone in a professional sense when you know, utmost respects John, who's often a similar age or older than my parents. For a junior lawyer coming in, it can be quite quite daunting to think, well, I'm not going to have anything in common with you. But I think that point about if, if someone wants to make the time for you, they will, and you should actively seek out those people is, is really, really yeah. pertinent, I think, because it's, it's often easily overlooked thinking it's all too hard or they're not going to be interested in me or my development because they're too busy, which shouldn't be the case at all. Uh, yeah, no, it, it shouldn't be the case. And the other thing that I get asked occasionally is, that, well, what's in it for you as a mentor? Why, why would you want to be a mentor? What's what's the benefit for you? There is uh, real benefits to a, a, a lawyer in my position taking on a mentor role. And I also see some real benefits to the firm generally. This exercise of mentoring, people's vision of it is that you mentor someone by sitting across a table from that person and talking or having a document in front of you with a red pen changing it, both of which take time out of your day. So people see that as a somewhat of a, a, a negative feature that, you know, you're a busy person uh, and time is being taken out of your day to have these face-to-face conversations or these exercise uh, reviewing documents. I've never seen it that way. I've never ceased being amazed at how, how much you learn from the person you're, meant, you're, you're purportedly mentoring. They, they, they will have research skills. They will have real-life skills that uh, you have not experienced before. And so, you, you know, a, a person who's um, engaged in mentoring will learn from the person they mentor. It is true, you know, that if you're working on a client file and uh, there are two lawyers talking to each other about the file, that that is, in a sense, 
duplication of time. And, you know, and we get this mindset that says, well, we can't justify two lawyers talking about a file when it comes to billing a client, for example. But a successful exercise in mentoring, as I see it, could and usually is of benefit to the client. Because what's the alternative? Is the alternative the, the deep end approach? I give a job to Amelia or Declan and just send them on their way and tell them to come back in a, you know, a week's time. That's not going to be effective. I very strongly believe that 10 or 15 minutes face-to-face discussion with the person who's assisting you will be of great benefit to the client because... As you said before, Declan, you can learn from Paul about the art of getting to the heart of a matter, thinking strategically. And so the mentor benefits from his or her own learnings and the firm benefits by making things more efficient and more effective. And as someone that's received instructions by a 15-minute conversation where everything's explained to you and also by a two-line email, I could not agree with you more that the discussion wins yes. every time Absolutely. because the email is the one that causes the headaches and the discussion is the one that makes. And in my experience, in terms of time that you're putting on the matter, the 15 minutes that you spend as opposed to the email, it probably saves 45 minutes to an hour in reality when I'm trying to work those things out myself. So I couldn't agree yes, with that well, one anymore. I, you know, I very strongly believe that to be the case. What do you want to achieve going into your new role, uh, not only as special counsel, but also as a mentor to young lawyers? The day will eventually come when I will retire outright. That's not going to be for some time yet, I've got to say. But it will come when I will retire from the firm and the law. What I am hoping that I can do is leave the firm in good hands. And to the extent that I can say that I've learnt something over the years, that that learning stays within the firm. We have our core values, as you and Declan know, I'm told we're not meant to have our favourites, but uh, my favourite is stewardship. And I very strongly believe that I and all the other lawyers that are at Maddox at the moment are just here for a very short period in a firm that's been in existence for a very long time. What I see as our obligation cumulatively and mine personally is to contribute to the firm and to the best of your ability, leave the firm in a better place. And to go back to really your question, Amelia, leave it in good hands. And good hands will be those who have learnt about what clients want, how to deliver advice to clients, how to interact with each other, how to be innovative and so forth. And so when you ask me what is it that I hope to gain or get out of this mentoring phase, it really is a a sense of satisfaction that I've, uh, I've achieved those things. So I think that is a pretty perfect note to end the episode on. It also ends the day one series for this season. Amelia and I, I'll speak for both of us when I say I think we've really enjoyed our guests this season and especially today, John, thank you very much for coming on and, and imparting some of your wisdom. We will wrap up the season. We will hopefully see you again in the future to all of our uh, prospective clerks and lawyers. We hope to see you working at Maddox one day and we can catch up with you. And also don't forget to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and, and support the show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Declan.